Hello and welcome to Volume 3 of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name's Del Muir. I'll jump back in the time machine to July of 1997, looking at all your action from ECW. For the month, check out Volume 1 for WCW and all of their pay-per-view action in the months, including the return of Kurt Hennig. Check out Volume 2 for WWF and In Your House, leading into next month's SummerSlam. And in here in Volume 3, ECW, predominantly TV-heavy heavy month of July. There is a, a big super show that we do have some of the highlights on, but it'll be myself, Del Muir and Chris Lacey looking through the action. Lacey, hello, how are we? Wunderbar, as as the kids say. Um, what kids? The kids in Munich? <laughs> yeah, they're kids there too. You can tell it's me and Lacey that's back on the show for Volume 3, the star-studded July Volume 3 version of the show. The format will be directly sent out the window, or the, the window bath, as Lacey might say, or the kids. Um, but Lacey, if you start us off with the news, I do have some headlines a la ECW. We'll try and keep some kind of semblance of format. And the very first one that we have is ECW versus WCW. So, in an ironic twist... The July 7th WCW Nitro featured more elements of ECW than WWF Raw has. Um, obviously, WWF and WCW had a relationship recently uh, with obviously Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam being on part of the show. But on WCW, they managed not just to sign Raven, but they've also signed a highly tipped star of the year, Big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards. Um, obviously, both have been massive names with ECW in the last few years. Um, ECW are expected to be filing a lawsuit against WCW in regarding issues including the signing of Raven and Stevie Richards and their appearance on the Bash of the Beach. Um, Steve Carroll, who is the head of ECW's legal arm, uh, wouldn't actually comment on the lawsuit itself. But it has been said that they would consider both the actions of both men violating the terms of their agreements with ECW and said that over the weekend ECW and its representations have also felt a filed a lawsuit in the Southern District of New York Federal Court about tampering, tautrous infringements and confidential personnel and violation of ethical properties and intellectual properties due to the WCW 0900 line. Who needs who needs Eric Landstrom when we've got kind of Mr. Law here, Lacey? Well done, son. <laughs> um, and talk about the, the WCW, ECW's kind of stuff pitting up. Seems to be that almost coming to an end is WWF versus ECW, Lacey. So, the Fed dropped all references to ECW on Raw this month. Um, it's said that there is still believed to be substantial uh, agreement between the two. Um, but basically, both sides had a little bit of heat by their own teams for the way they've been promoting each other and how they've been handling each other. So, as such, nothing this month. Um, Obviously, the much-talked-about relationship was meant to believing into a ECW match at SummerSlam, which is now, by the looks of it, not going to be happening. 
the match was meant to be Jerry Lawler and or Sabu with RVD going against Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. Obviously, this was never officially said to be happening, but it was very much on the on the paper. Um, subsequently, in Louisville, the USWA have been doing the feud and putting it on TV, so it shouldn't be a surprise that if the deal is for, to put it back as a match, but to do it in Louisville instead of SummerSlam. Um, obviously, the main reasons for the issues recently was going back to last month when Heyman, who was agreed to co-host Shotgun Saturday Night, their tapings in Des Moines didn't show. Um, he, instead, he decided not to turn up, and Pillman was on instead. Pillman cl- or Heyman claimed that he was never actually asked to do the show, only they sent him a ticket to Des Moines and indicated that he had been a surprise for him. Heyman's name was on the format sheet as co-host JR forged the shotgun shows, but since he wasn't there, he was replaced by his good friend, Jim Cornette. All week long, the Fed officials were attempting to get hold of Heyman from, obviously, for his no-show to find out what was going on. Um, obviously, the f- officials got rather frustrated when Heyman never answered his phone. Wow. Which is always clever. Um, the only message that managed to get through to him was a voicemail left on Bruce Pritchard's answer machine at home. Knowing full well that Pritchard wasn't in at home at the time. And knowing well that Paul E's got a, a very large cellular phone, Lacey, surely. I know. You would imagine that he would be able to get in contact with these people. Um, there is still talk that they are trying to get with Heyman to sort of do some actual voiceover work in the studio, but this too has not been put through. It was said that Heyman was to receive seven grand a week for doing the broadcast syndication. He felt that he couldn't do the commentary for Shotgun as he couldn't put over teams like Bulldog and Owen Hart as great tag teams without bringing up the likes of the Dudleys, the Eliminators, the Gangsters from his own or couldn't talk about Shamrock being a shooter without putting in the name Taz, and didn't want his territory or his promotion to be seen as in the same light that Jerry Lawler does with the USWA as second-rate in Timpot. Obviously, last month, as we just said in the news, there was an issue with how RVD and Sabu had been uh, Behaving backstage. Um, How diplomatically worded, Lacey. <laughs> um, and obviously not agreeing or being happy with finishes of matches. Sucking up smoke, son. It's sucking up smoke. Aye. Um, Heyman says he has a different viewpoint on the situation and claimed that Heyman was very apologetic and embarrassed by their behaviour to the Fed but when with those two, he was quite happy with how they dealt with themselves. And to make things go bad to us, Joey Styles has apparently been making noises about suing the Fed because of his appearance in a Steve Austin video. 
and that the WWF never asked his permission for it. Styles is citing the same verdict that Jerry Law or Jesse Ventura got about his obviously his commentary being on home videos. Um, and it's about a moment where Austin was doing the Hulk Hogan mock interview on ECW, and you can see Jerry in part of the interview. Steve Amania, Lacey, Steve Amania. Steve Amania. I say I was bogged in the copyright claims. So, obviously, there is something else that could be uh, winding up the pot and not helping the joint between the two. And uh, if that wasn't enough, kind of legal ramifications for the month, we also have some trouble back home in Philadelphia. Um, of all the people that could possibly get kind of afforded drug wraps, it appears to be Pitbull number one and Pitbull number two, Lacey. Yes. Uh, on July the 2nd, the federal authorities arrested the Pitbulls, charging them with trafficking marijuana and steroids. The arrests stem from a wiretapping by a drug investigators about two years ago. Uh, on the July 3rd edition of the Philadelphia Daily News, it ran an item saying two South Philadelphian wrestling tag team wrestlers have been arrested. Uh, they call themselves the rest, the Pitbulls. And Gary Wolf, 30, and his wrestling partner, Anthony Durant, who was 29, were arrested at their homes, hauled into court and released on bail to await trial. A federal grand jury indictment alleges the participants in drug sales for three occasions in 1995 in South Philadelphia. At this point, ECW have not decided on the status of the pit bulls in the company. And talking about future statuses, we're um, just a couple of weeks drawn out from ECW's second pay-per-view, and it's going to be called Hardcore Heaven. We've been talking about it in the last month, and it's pretty much taking shape, Les. It is. Uh, so, the main event for the August 17th Hardcore Heaven is Terry Funk putting the title online against Shane Douglas. Um, early rumblings are talk that Douglas may retain or regain the belt. Also stated for the card is the Jerry Lawler Tommy Dreamer match, which obviously is a little bit up in the air with the situation between ECW and WWF at the moment. Also on the card, we have Sandman versus Sabu, Taz versus Chris Candido, um, and we know the Dudleys will have a tag title match, but it's meant to be against the gangsters, but we will go into more details on why it probably won't be those later on the show. Mm. Several cable companies have been said that they will be picking up the ECW uh, pay-per-view this time, despite viewers' choice and time Warner still holding out, including Chromecast in Cherry Hills, New Jersey, Media General in Farfax County, and Choice TV in Fort Lauderdale. And um, funnily enough, considering this is Extreme Championship Wrestling, the uh, card is always subject to change, and this might be affected by some... uh, quote-unquote incidents in Allentown recently. Yes. Uh, on July the 12th at a house show in Allentown, Pennsylvania, a pair of incidents between fans and wrestlers took place. First was RVD. Uh, a fan squirted a bottle of water into his face. Rob got upset, jumped on the railings, grabbed the fan. He called for the security to kick the guy out of the building. Van Damme then yanked the fan's shirt, ripping it, and he told security 
it's the guy with the torn shirt. ECW were very upset with the local security guards hired for the show to not intervene when Van Damme first called for assistance, and apparently the security guards thought it was part of the show. The second incident, a little bit more serious. During the main event between Shane, Douglas and Taz, Shane got into a confrontation with several fans who were seated next to the guard rail. Either Francine was grabbed or Douglas was defending her or a fan hit Douglas pretty hard. Either individuality or on purpose. In any case, Douglas reacted in the way that we have seen before with several fans moving towards him. Eventually, he began swinging and axe-handled one of them onto the back. At this point, someone shouted to the locker room that the fans were attacking Douglas. Saturn, who came out on crutches, and several other wrestlers followed, including the Dudleys and Lewis Piccoli. It turned into quite a scene with several of the wrestlers and fans actually kicking each other, while security from the show again slow in responding. Of the fans involved in the incident, only one was ejected from the building and the others left on their own. ECW considered, as many still be considering, pressing charges against said fans. Heyman issued a press release post-event defending the actions of his wrestlers, so the lack of help from security as justification for the wrestlers getting involved in the situation. Apparently, the entire incident was captured on film, and it shows Douglas was not the instigator. A joke in the locker room is that once ECW don't have to hide or destroy footage of the incident, instead they could use it to their advantage, unlike what we had last year. Mm. And um, just in case the news for Allentown never quite reached Queens, New York, we uh, had one week later, Lacey, for the 12th to the 19th, with turnaway crowds in New York. Yeah, so ECW drew a complete sellout of 800 for their venue in Queens, New York on the 19th. But observers said the numbers of fans turned away were in the high hundreds, perhaps even some mentioning over a thousand people being told that they couldn't get in. The event got a lot of publicity just two mornings earlier on the Howard Stern Show, and the insane clown posse were guests of the show, and they brought up later that they are huge fans of ECW, and mentioned specific Friday night's events at Queen's. And can we just have a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for Chris Lacey, the what course of ECW show? That was basically a, a dissertation. That you had to get through there, Lacey. I, I it, feel, it was a heavy month. I, I mean, I'd feel guilty about just reading out the headlines, but it, it just lets me do a Jimmy Fullington and just kind of crack on with a tin and a cigarette. So thanks <laughs> very much. Um, just before we get into the, the TVs for the month, I'll try my best to be Bobby Bamber for the month and have a, a, a modicum of professionalism. We are indeed on Patreon. If you do want to thank us for contributing to your podcast month, please don't just look at July's volume three for your judgment in this decision. But um, if you do want to stick us, stick us a few bucks for can I add it into your podcast in month, do check out the rest on Twitter years ago, um, Facebook, Twitter, website, download the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a message, and if you are so inclined, a couple of month, uh, a couple of bucks a month does go a long way. Um, but as we said at the start of the, the show, Lacey, before your 
splendid effort at the news. We're pretty TV heavy this month, so if you want to just fire us off with the, the first week, we're sitting at July 7th. What is going down, Lacey? So, week one's TV opened with the highlights and a recap of the Tommy Raven, Tommy Lawler issues from Wrestlepalooza and a recap of Lawler and Cornette. But, so, before we go too far into TV, obviously you weren't with us last month. I'm going, I'm going to be honest about this, Lacey. This entire show will basically be me asking questions that listeners will probably already be screaming the answers to. Because I am, I am just a mere substitute in this runaway train that is the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. What the fuck has been happening and what the fuck have I missed? James E. Cornette is in ECW, Lacey. What's going on? Well... Last month was 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 a definite weird month, shall we say? Because obviously you've got you've got the king turns up and bad mouse all of ECW, and then he brings his his, his good old southern wrestling friend with a tennis racket, mm. and yet they're aligned with probably the. The two least southern regional <laughs> wrestling people in ECW. I'd say so. In RVD and Sabu. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're thinking, if you look at who's on the ECW roster and you look at who would fit in with, you know, a Cornet or, or a Lawler in USWA or in, Oh, what was the one Lord or Cornette was running? Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain, yeah. You'd think an FBI, a Luis Bacoli. The good old boys. Yeah. We better barely, we better had Southern Draw. I, I can't really see uh, Eddie Farhat's nephew and that boy <laughs> that looks like John Claude Van Damme. Exactly. So, yeah, um, as you can tell, it's it's been different recently and... Uh, I haven't seen anyone get that level of heat Indeed. in a while. And it's 1997, Lacey. And God love them. As much as Memphis gets run down, those fuckers can still get a crowd going. They can. And the thing is, what they're doing is still pretty much the same as what they did back then. Yep. It just shows that if it ain't broke, you yep. don't have to fix it. So wrestling's alive and well, Lacey. So, going back into the TV for the month, uh, they announced that Hardcore Heaven will be taking place in Fort Lauderdale. We get a promo from Jerry the King Lawler with a WF logo in the background. He calls himself ECW, exposing crappy wrestlers. Sam and Tommy being the two that he calls out. He says that he and Cornette left them laying and he took his own stick from him and beat him with it. Tommy has no balls, so he would have had to go see a gynecologist. And the Sandman can't do anything unless he's drunk. We then go to an interestingly placed match of Taz versus Louis Piccoli on a beach. Louis in the ring throwing up the click sign at Taz. Taz said that if he does it again, he'll show him why the, East, or why the UFC is scared of him. And he'll bust his head open. 
Louis tells Taz to take a pill, or maybe five. Taz says it'll choke him out in a minute. Louis says do it in 45 seconds. Taz, as we've seen last month, doesn't get bartering, so he makes things harder for himself and says he'll do it in 30 seconds. So Louis jumps Taz, hits him with the bell, goes to go for the DVD, but Taz puts on the Taz mission with three seconds left for the win, beating him in 27 seconds. I have a great match at the ECW Arena, right? Me and John Cronus, one half of the best tag team in the world, the Eliminators. We went toe-to-toe. You know, I travel with this guy, I've trained with him, I've broken bread with him, and I choked him out. But you see, that wasn't enough. Now, the people left the building that night not talking about, hey, what a great match Taz and Cronus had. Oh, hey, those ECW wrestlers, man, they busted their ass tonight. No, they didn't say that. See, what they said was, uh, ooh, Jerry Lawler and Jim Cornette invaded the ECW. And Sabu and Van Dam, they're with them. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? I'm sick of this. Who gives a f- about it? I'm sick of it messing up me and my life. Instead of training from Monday morning to Monday afternoon to Monday evening, I'm sitting home watching TV that WWF. Which one of my co-workers is going to jump a railing tonight? Which one of my co-workers is going to start a feud tonight? Or better yet, who's going to do color commentating tonight? Who's going to do it tonight? What the hell are you doing? Yeah, that's the question I have, Paul. Now, you want to be a TV star? Well, guess what, brother? I put you on TV. Make up your mind. I'll tell you what, Vince. Later on in this show, I got a message for you, directed from me to you. Not as Mr. Hardcore, Mr. ECW, or the World TV champ. From me to you, man to p- And while you sit in your big, fat, lavish office, with all your jabronis kissing your fat ass, telling you, hey, Vince, that Taz, he's a real asshole. Don't listen to him. He's a jerk. Yeah, I'm a jerk. I'm the biggest asshole in this industry. Those same jabronis used to come to Coney Island when I was nine years old and I'd mug them and their fat wives and fat kids and stretch them at nine. Ex-Sabu, ask him. I choked him out not once but twice. Ask him, Vince. Ask their damn. Ask him what I am. I'm the world TV champ. Beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. We then get a Taz promo where he talks about his match with Cronus and talks about training and eating with him, but then still choking him out. No one spoke about his match at the Wrestlepalooza because everyone was just speaking about Cornette and the King turning up and invading. Which one of my co-workers will be on Monday night this week, he says, whether it being jumping the barriers in the ring or on colour commentary as he turns to Paul Lee, who's also in the place where they're doing the promos. Taz calls out Vince, calls him a pussy, and he calls him the biggest arsehole in wrestling. We then get a promo of Rick Rude calling Laura a coward piece of shit and says that he won't show up at the hardcore heaven. We then get extended highlights of PG-13 going against Spike Dudley and Mikey Whitbreck. Lacey, 
Is this the boys for the nation of domination? And it is. It is it the took rap me boys. long enough to look at them. I've seen these two boys. And if you JC take Ice and Wolfie. You just take off the puffer jackets. I didn't know who they were. And they were actually quite good. Aye. Um, well, they've, they're both, before they got to the nation and basically as hype men, they uh, were both in Smoky Man and in the USWA. Uh, both actually holding tag belts, and they've been around for a while. Yeah, they they are good old Southern boys, but they've been given a modern hip hop mm. gimmick, shall we say? Well, it was so, yeah. Johnny and Rock, wasn't it? It did. So PG thirteen come out with shit Southern heel techniques of bad mouthing them and giving it the whole South will rise again. We're shown Spike and Wolfie, with Wolfie beating down Spike. Uh, we then get a cut to Mikey doing a plunger to the outside. Another quick cut shows Mikey doing the claw to the balls of JC Ice. Another cut, PG-13 elbow dropping each other in comedy moment as they keep missing. We get another cut to Wolfie punching JC Ice as Mikey ducked and Spike hitting a monkey flip for a two. PG hits an atomic drop, a clothesline combo. We then go to a highlight of Wolfie spiking Spike in the corner and then hitting a hurricane runner. We then get cut to JCI for trying to use a hubcap for which Wolfie was wearing as a necklace to start the match. But instead of hitting Mikey, he hits Wolfie. Then Mikey grabs it and hits him. Someone's under the ring holding Mikey's leg. Who has it, Lizzie? Who has it? We'll find out soon. Then PG-13 both hit a double crossbody for a two. Wolfie kicks him in the balls, hits a lovely gut-wrench powerbomb into falling elbow combo, and then hits uses JT's ice as a weapon with a tilt-a-whirl for a free count. The man under the ring. Who is it, Lacey? Who could it possibly be? Who could I be this excited about? He is a sensation. Some would say the sensation. He's it been gone for be far like, too long. But we have him back. It could it, it possibly? Is, it is Jason. He's alive. Jason was under the ring. Uh, he comes out. Hits Spike and Mikey and then runs away as they come after him. And do not undersell this, Lacey. Jason was looking resplendent in a frontless, studied cardigan and skin tight, luminous silver jeans. And somewhere Dell was very excited, if not also Mr. Bobby Bamba. I was going to say, when I saw Jason. I did think of how, how excited you would be <laughs> about it. And then, just just to sort of hit home how great Jason is, we get a promo from 1993, back when Jason was in his heyday. Exactly, might as well roll it the greatest hats. We then cut to Joey losing his shit about Jason being back, scratching himself, saying that Jason is a plague. <laughs> We then get extended highlights of Lance Storm versus Tracy's mothers. There's 
opens up with really long collar and elbows where they go along each other, where we get my favourite, I think my favourite chant of the month. Go on then. Where's my pizza? <laughs> uh, Lance hits a wonderfully delightful springboard clothesline and goes after all the members of the FBI until the numbers get too much for him and he gets a beat down and gets tossed onto the barrier. They exchange forearms and Lance hits a handspring splash and a northern lights. Then the FBI hit a quick snap on him as he's trying to leave the ring. Tracy gets a quick roll up and goes to two. Lance then jumps to the top rope in one jump to hit a back elbow for the three. Again, quick highlights, can't really tell much, other than Lance Storm and that rat tail. He looked as if he should win the waltzers, Lacey. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I won a game at the prize bingo at the fair, and he was the one that gave me the cuddly toy. I'm pretty sure there. I was going to say, I thought he reminded me of the lad at the hoop toss where you got a goldfish in a bag. Pretty much. And every time you won a goldfish, there was a fucking hole in the bag, and the fish was dead before you got up the road. Every time. So, we then get a highlights from Tommy being caned back in 1994, showing that Tommy is used to taking a beating. We then get a promo from Beulah. She says that she's seen Tommy been thrown down barriers, down bleachers, and off the top of arenas, but this time was different because he was actually screaming in pain. She doesn't want him to go back into the ring. But she knows that he will, and payback will be like her, a bitch. And I tell you what, where did that interview come from? Because it was fucking brilliant. I know. For the fact of, so the only time that we've had her do anything really on our own has been where she does slow motion, slaughtery dancing at the camera. Oh, look yeah. at my boobs! I bend over. And I tell you what, she's still got it. It's been a good few months I've seen her, but I would still have a go at that, lassie. But I tell you what, that interview blew me away. I thought she did impeccably well. And then, to finish off the month, we get Taz in the ring telling a fan to take off his Raw is War shirt. Telling him if he doesn't, the crowd will take it off him. At the same point as this is happening, we're shown Tommy getting put in the ambulance, obviously from the beatdown from... Lawler and Cornette. Taz then puts the shirt on a chair as he then sets it on fire and the last image of on TV that month is a Raw is War shirt burning. And I tell you what, Lacey, I always talk about in this show that ECW just has this wee habit of bringing out these images that just, whether it's Cactus and Funk where the chairs coming in or Rocco and Johnny and the ring collapsing where 100, 200, 300, 400 fans in it. It was some fucking image to close the show. I think that burning t-shirt looked dynamite. Mm. Though I bet they don't use it in any highlight packages. Well, funnily enough, uh, what was it you were saying, Lacey? WWF kind of took off ECW footage this month. Who knew? I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Who knew? But uh, fire away, Lacey, next week. So into week two. You don't make your mark on this sport by following other people's footsteps. What you do is you blaze the trail. Most men, and that includes wrestlers, would be afraid to dive into the drink behind me. 
But you see, with Francine by me, I'm fearless. With Francine behind me, I'll swim with the sharks. I'll tread where most men would not tread. You see, Taz, you talk about how tough you are. And indeed you are. And most men in this sport would be afraid to face you. But I wasn't. Just like going into this dark water, I treaded down to the ring to face you one-on-one, -on -one, Taz. But you see, I played a mind game with you. You thought you beat the franchise? You couldn't do it on my worst day and your best. Taz, what you did was you stepped in and played a mental chess game <laughs> only half prepared. And you lost. You see, Taz, what happened was Francine and I got sick and tired of carrying around 15, 16 pounds of fake gold plated. It was turning Francine's skin green, and it just doesn't look good on her. So what I did, Taz, is I made a plan. You see, one thing about the franchise that somebody should have told you through that thick skull of yours is that I do better than anybody else is I manipulate people. I set the stage so that I cannot lose. And so what did I want to do, Taz? I felt like losing. I took a walk down to the aisle with the incomparable Taz, the human suplex machine, the toughest man in ECW. <laughs> and I tapped out. <laughs> Are you starting to see the picture? Is it starting to become clear to you, Taz? I did the job. I took a fall. You see, I didn't take the easy way out. <laughs> like Mike Tyson. <laughs> and bite half your ear off. Because that wouldn't have gotten me what I wanted. And I wanted relief of 16 pounds of copper plating. Copper gold plating. And so you, Taz... I bequeath the world's television title on you, the human suplex machine. Ain't you great? <laughs> we want 16 pounds of gold, not gold plating. And so, Terry Funk, that brings me to you. You've got something that I want, and more importantly, what Francine wants. You see, when we slip between the seats at night, and we have the fun that only Franchise and Francine can have, something has been missing lately. And it's been wild, it's been sweaty, we've been dripping and dropping all over the place, we've been having a good time, but something's missing. World's heavyweight champion written backwards. <laughs> Terry Funk, you got what I want. It's my belt. And three years ago, I made it my belt. I took a three-year vacation, Terry Funk, and I'm coming back for what's mine. I let you hold it for a while. I let Scotty hold it for a while. I let Sandman hold it for a while. I let Mikey Whipwreck hold it for a while. But nobody has blazed the trail like I've done it here. Nobody in this sport. Taz, I tapped out for you because I didn't want the belt anymore. Terry Funk, I'm coming to you. After I take a swim in this drink, you're all mine, Terry Funk, because 53 years old, and I don't give a goddamn how tough you are. I'm a man driven. I'm a man driven by perspiration. A man driven by athleticism. A man driven by history. And I'm a man with a great woman behind me. <laughs> Terry Funk, see you around, old man. See you around. <laughs> we open with a promo that we sort of have seen before of Shane Douglas by the beachside at night because he does clearly like going to the beach at night 
Um, he says that he's fearless and is better than Taz. Shane says that the reason he dropped the belt was he was carried of holding 16 pounds of gold plating and it was turning Francine's skin green. So he took the loss. He wants his world title back from Funk. He took three years vacation and let Scotty, Sandman and Mikey all have a go. But he wants it back now. We then get highlights of Funk and Shane as it was announced as the main event of the pay-per-view and also some highlights from Sandman and Sabu. We then get Taz versus Hollywood Nova. Taz grabs the mics and says, where Stevie is? And goes, Raven needed someone to drive him, carry his bags and wipe his ass. Because that's what Stevie is, an arsewipe, and he belongs in WCW. And this is going to be the end of the BWO. Nova gets a free shot. So he drop kicks Taz in the back. Taz then hits a stiff lariat and a stiff German Tazplex, puts on the Taz mission and gets the win. He holds it on for a while as Inchworm comes in. He gets T-boned and put in the Taz mission. Meany, well, took the sensible option threw his blue gold t-shirt in the ring and legged it. He's just running all his way to the main event now, Lacey. Big BWO splat, mini solo run coming up. <laughs> we then get highlights of the Pitbulls with Balls Mahoney going against the Triple Threat. All six are in the ring brawling. The Pitbulls are bleeding already and the Balls is beating in on Shane in the ring. Shane hits some drop kicks and a pile driver, and at this point, out come the gangsters. Well, I say the gangsters. We see New Jack. The Dudleys jump him as soon as he walks through the curtain. Some jobbers come out to try and stop this, but they get beat down. We then see Shane hit a plunge on balls, and everyone's brawling outside. We then have the Eliminators come out on the stage to fight the Dudleys. And... Everyone's just brawling. Balls that hits an elbow drop to Shane, but misses a top rope leg drop. Balls gets hit with a chair, and Francis comes in to stop Shane from being pinned. Shane kicks him in the balls, hits a chair shot, Bam Bam comes in to lob him in for a belly-to-belly, and they get the win. I'm kind of glad you explained this, Lacey, because I watched it twice, I've listened to you, and I'm still not really exactly sure what happened. It was that a six-man, was that a tag match? Well, it was, me- it was meant to be a six-man tag, obviously, with the triple threat versus the uh, Pitbulls and Bulls. Right. And the, Dudleys, the Dudleys clearly came out to kick the shit out of the Pitbulls, right. which brought the gangsters out. That was meant to be the gangsters, but Ain't only New Jack came out. And then to even it up, Saturn and Cronus came out, yet Saturn can't really do a lot. Mm. I was very confused, but a fell off there. Never mind. Though, knowing now what I didn't know at the time of the TV, with uh, the illegal ramifications, this probably makes a bit of sense why it's the only thing we saw of the Pitbulls this month. Well, that is also true. So, we then get a promo from New Jack, where he says that he's held his closest friends as they died, 
and tonight he held Mustafa after what the Dudleys had done to him. He's going to take them out, and the only way they're going to win is by killing New Jack. And I tell you what, Lacey, that boy gets a lot of jap, especially after the, uh, shall we say, events of, what, nine months ago? Yeah. I think the boy's fascinating. I don't know whether it's New Jack or if it's Jerome Young. I, I don't know who it is, but I thought this was a brilliant interview. It was almost Jake Roberts-esque for me. The, it's good things. With this, it was very much... There was no... It didn't seem character. It seemed no. as if it was genuinely from him and him talking from experience, obviously him saying that he'd been there as, as friends and had been murdered and killed. And we obviously we know his history and we know mm-hmm. that he actually has murdered someone. So we know that he is, when he says stuff about the shit he did on the street, you know that there is truth to it. And you talk so, about truth bleeding through fire. Fuck me if it's coming for Jerome Young. You know it's probably true. So that is followed by the quintessential stud muffin. What has happened to this boy for hours last night? That show. <laughs> I was going to say, what? He's did he standing in a ring with a tuxedo and a bow tie the last time I seen him? What the fuck happened? Well, the Dudleys happened and have become. His running buddies. He looks like fucking me. <laughs> Which is a sad indictment for any young prospect in the wrestling business. Well, it guarantees that the Dudleys will be holding the belts at the pay-per-view. And if they don't, he will have his head and chest shaved. He's putting up the big stakes there. We then... In other things that we never thought we'd see on ECW TV, get a Cornette promo. Exactly. What's been happening? <laughs> Where he says that a pair of Southern boys have come to take down the company. He would rather go skinny dipping in a cesspool than go back to the ECW arena. The boy paints up at He has a way with words, doesn't he? <laughs> We then get another bit of Rick Rude saying that he wants to kick the shit out of Lawler. We then end the show with Tommy Dreamer saying the last thing he remembers was Lawler standing over him and then the blacklist took over. Then JC Jim Cornette took me out of my piece. They had to hold ice all over me. They had to get the excess fluid and bleeding on his balls and drained his balls. <laughs> he couldn't sleep because he can't sleep on his back, it hurts. He can't sleep on his front, it hurts. And I don't think either me or you slept this Tuesday night either with some of the mm. shit we were getting exposed to here with Kermit and no. his pool naked and Tommy's lab balls getting drained. And he wonders how much revenge a man can take. Well, when it comes to your manhood, it's probably a lot. Uh, cheers, Tom. But no, they do like these interview reels, don't they? It's been a good while since I've seen these, but to tell well, you what, they still deliver it, man. What well, like, this was the running into, obviously, what we won't see in right. full, which was Heatwave. Um, it's the one thing that 
ECW does so well is it yep. gives 15 minutes on the, the show before one of these bigger shows for everyone to get something on tape. And they want to nail it. I mean, I don't know how long Paulie spends with them trying to get these interviews out, but whether it's like franchise at the start of the show, Beulah nailed it last week, we're getting RVD and Fonzie out with it. The lovely little touches, which I always like, the wee nuances in wrestling, whether it's Rob sitting there with the, the WCW t-shirt that even had the Dangerous Alliance on the back of it, or Fonzie with the raw heart on, and even the, the interviews at the end, they just, I know you get it with these wee companies when when they are, like the bread and butter is just getting folk to watch the telly and get their arse out the door and go to a show, and they just nailed it for me, man, they really did. It, the thing is, it's such a simple thing, yet the Fed... And WCW can't do it. No. Nah. You can throw all the budgets for pyro that you want and the good production values. Give me a good interview any day and you'll probably get money out of my back pocket to buy a ticket. If you think, this is what, 15 minutes of TV which could have either been highlights of a match or a squash match or you could have this which if obviously we could have done I, I would quite happily be chucking some money in my pocket to buy the home video of this. Certainly. Because every match that's on this show, or every match they've announced for this show, has a meaning, has yep. a purpose, and yep. all of it was brought up on, on these first two weeks of TV going into it. Look, how many times have we watched a Fed pay-per-view or a WCW pay-per-view that has weeks and months of build-up that is nothing like this and you have no interest in it. No. And you know, for you, especially with WCW, they're really bad for it, as I know we're watching a lot of the Nitros this year, and you kind of, I mean, you watch you watch videos and it's pretty much the same as you've seen last month and probably the same as you're going to see next month. I mean, you could watch a show and be totally out of sync with the TV and it would still make pretty much perfect sense because it's the same fights that you're getting, but the I don't know what it is with ECW. I mean, I know they're the, they're the little engine that could, but they just seem to pull these interviews out of people that don't really have any right making them. And as you say, the the, the easiest way to make money is getting folk to buy a ticket. And these videos certainly certainly do for me. Um, but see, that's us pretty much leading into the show. Unfortunately, we never get the the taping time for this one, so we will be sitting in the sitting in the campfire next month for the second pay per view for ECW. But as it is. We're pretty much just going to talk through the highlights in the last couple of weeks of telly for the for the show itself, Wesley. So if we start us off for July 21st, please. So we are going into Week Freeze TV, which is the first show after Heat Wave. It opens uh, with highlights from the Gangsters and Dudleys tag team cage match. We open with the sight of New Jack on the top of a cage, doing a diving headbutt to Bubba, or to Devon even. Just for a change. As we open to start a show, as you do, we then see Bubba getting hit with a keyboard. New Jack and his weapons. All four brawling. Uh, the Dudleys use Mustafa as a weapon onto New Jack's balls. Uh, basically, they launched him in the beginning part of the 3D just without the cutter. Onto a prone New Jack. 
Devon is on top of the cage and New Jack follows and punches him to the floor. Bubba hits a supercutter from the top rope but hurts himself in doing so and Mustafa rolls over onto Bubba to get the win. We have new champions. We then get an announcement that Rick Rude has signed a two-year deal with ECW. So it won't be going anywhere anytime soon and is not running from week to week. We then get a promo from the Dudleys and Gertner, who somehow have their tag belts, which they just lost. Gertner says that the titles must be defended at the pay-per-view and the Eliminators can't because Saturn has a bum leg and the Gangsters can't because they're hurt. Um, and the gangsters are both bitches, and if they really want it, they can come and take it. Kurtner wants the Dudleys to be given back their belts, yet they already have them. We then get a match between Cronus and Pablo Marquez. Saturn is out on his crutches. Pablo hits a quick hurricane runner and a baseball slide, and then goes full old lucha with a somersault plancher. A top rope Hurricane Rana. And then Cronus tosses him to the outside where Saturn cracks him with a crutch. Back into the ring for a pump handle slam. A spin kick and Cronus hits the 450 for the win. We then get Shane versus Terry Funk. Starts with brawling as they brawl into the crowd and then go out onto the streets. Shane gets thrown into the ring truck. Back into the arena. Shane hits some chair shots, and then they go into the ring. Shane smashes the crutch on Funk's leg. Shane then puts on a leg hold and then clips the knee. They exchange punches, and Funk hits a backdrop. And outside, Funk suplexes Shane through a table. Back into the ring, Shane low blows Funk, blocks a suplex and puts a suplex of his own. And Shane then throws two chairs in and does a knee breaker onto the chair. Does a spinning toe hold, and then Francine comes in to get an atomic drop from Funk, and then he puts on a spinning toe hold of his own. Candido then comes out, and then the franchise puts on a sleeper. Funk punches and puts on another toe hold until Funk attacks the ref. Francine bites him, and Shane gets DQ'd for biting. I think mean, that's the first time we've seen a DQ for something in ECW. Pretty much, and they explained it pretty well, to be fair. You know, it wasn't really a... It's not really a finish you can do a lot with this kind of crowd and this kind of environment and the way that the the place runs, but the way that they made it into a wee thing, which I'm sure you'll come on it, did actually do a lot of justice, I thought. And then we get Sabu, Lawler and RVD, Versus Dreamer and Sandman and their mystery partner. Tommy and Sandman are coming out with a trolley of toys. Where you get Rick Rude kicks off at Lawler saying, if you want to talk shit about my fucking company, you've got a partner. I'm going to kick your ass, you piece of shit. If anything, Rude and ECW is a perfect fit as he can get away with saying things like that. And it was also a very lovely touch where uh, who was sitting up at the Eagle's Nest, Lacey, with Joey Styles, play-by-play, 
Paulie. New colour and Paulie dangerously. And it was certainly Paul Heyman that was sitting there. This felt very, very legit to me. Mm. So, Rude comes down and joins the faces. They all go to get into the cage. Lawler says he can't believe his eyes that Rude is going to be their partner. He loves it. Rude attacks Tommy as they walk into the cage and the rest of the heels jump Sandman. Rude then leaves the cage, slams Bueller against the side of the cage, puts in a fuck ton of chairs, and we go off the air to that fucking whistle. And what an image it was again. Rick Rude just managed to work the smartest fans in the business. And uh, I don't know whether, I, I, as much as I'm going to besotted with new chatting, certainly the world's sexiest man alive, Jason Knight. Rick Rude just maximised his time here. The, the effects here, the stuff with Bueller, it was nearly looking back to Jake Roberts and Liz when the full macho man thing was going on and he slaps Liz and he said, gladly pay to do it again. It just felt like that kind of that kind of vibe about the place. And as I say, the, the, the fans just bought every bit of it. You see yeah. it for the, the Eagles' nest with Paulie sitting there. Rude comes down, everybody's fucking ramped up. And then the turn, and it just worked to perfection. Obviously, we don't, we haven't seen it in full in its context. Sort of obviously, as the show, we didn't see Heatwave, but obviously, we see more of it in the next next week's show. But again, going off air just right. That that as we know, they don't do these for TV. They're not set as a TV event. Nah. Things like Heatwave, but fuck me if they if they could do this on weekly TV and had you know set cues that they could they could afford to run weekly and do these sort of stories, they would be pissing over the Fed and WCW. Of course, that is. and even these wee moments they do. I mean, we might as well just fire straight in oh. July twenty eighth because that is pretty much the start off for us. But I mean, they just nailed that. I mean, as you say, I mean, what did we say about Jimmy Carnet and Lawler coming out? They're doing the same shit in 1997 as they've probably done in 1987, maybe even 1977, and it still fucking works. Even with this crowd, even with this reaction, even with their newsletters in their back pocket of their baggy jeans, it still works, and they still nail it. Lacey, July 28th, because we're pretty much putting up for the same bit. So, Rude opens the show with him locking the cage. We then see Terry Funk coming out, trying to get at Rude, but out come the triple threat, and they jump him. In the cage, the beatdown continues with weapons. Loads of these W jobbers try to climb over the cage, but they get hit with chairs and canes as they do. They handcuff Tommy to the cage in the, in the Christ pose. Lawler puts on the testicular claw. Sabu beats down Sandman, Tommy gets a chair smashed over his head so hard that it breaks this flat bit of the chair off. They then handcuff Sandman. The triple threat keep the jobbers at bay until out comes Taz. He head and arm Taz flex Candido from outside into the crowd. He then goes into the cage and... As such, RVD and Sabu run the fuck out as quick as they could. 
leaving Lawler on his own. Lawler gets a back suplex onto Taz, but Taz pops up quicker than Hawk on a pile driver <laughs> to put on the Taz mission. The triple threat then come back into the ring to help out, and then they all get out of the ring, leaving the few there. As Candido hits a diving headbutt on Taz, Shane starts chair-shotting everyone, and Candido puts on the Taz mission. And how do you know a hot angle's getting over, Lacey? Even the fucking dog is raging. The dog was barking at the fucking baddies. That's how good it was. Fucking white hot heat, Lacey. White hot. Uh, it was it was great. We then cut to obviously an event the weekend after maybe. Um, so it's in a different arena. Uh, with Rude starting a promo where the crowd boo the fuck out of him. <laughs> he has nuclear heat. He tries to do his spiel of be quiet so I can introduce myself, you sweat hogs. If you would all times, just, if you would all just, if you were boo. <laughs> but it just gets shot down every time. He then finally manages to just man up and go through it, where he introduced the triple threat. Shane came out and says he had a choice to make, whether to have Rude as an enemy or an ally. He'd been with Francine 364 days and nights this year. One wasn't going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> and Francine says, you've always called me a whore, so I used it to my advantage. Can't we tell what the bargaining chip for Rick was? Who knows? Well, um, if you'd have seen what he's been up to recently, he pretty much has been there anyway. Seems so. Seems so. I don't think I missed too much on that one, to be honest with So, we then get Taz telling Tommy that he will be his partner. We then get uh, a match between RVD and Wild Bill Wild. The most indie-rific name ever. wonder how this one's going to turn that. RVD says that you book RVD on some late-night weekend TV show against someone like you. No. At this point, Sabu jumps Bill, chokes him, punches him, hits a springboard clothesline and a chair shot. The double jump Hurricane Rana then does a triple, triple jump splash into the crowd. RVD hits the barrier leg drop. Back into the ring, Sabu lobs a chair at Bill's head hard. He goes with the triple jump leg drop onto a table, which doesn't break the first time. So what do we do? We do it again. Back into the ring, puts on the camel clutch for the win, as RVD hits a running drop kick to a chair to his face. And then even Fonzie does a jumping kick to the chair. Mate as well. To end the show, we get highlights pretty much of a few matches all at this same event. We get Mikey Whitbreck versus Barry Harvey. Oh, Mikey a fat master perfect, whoever the fuck he was. Yeah, uh, really don't see anything of this. All we know is that Mikey won with the top rope power from Rana. That's enough. We uh, get highlights of the triple threat versus Spike Dudley, Nova and Pablo Marquez. 
all we see is basically them beating down Spike. We don't know who wins. All we know is that Spike got a hell of a lot of gut busters. And it kind of seems almost, Lisa, that the uh, disintegration of the BWO almost appears as if Supernova might be dead on arrival. Who knew? Who knew, mm. my man? <laughs> Cronus and Louis. Uh, with, we see Cronus winning with the 450. We see Tommy in the ring getting jumped by RVD and Sabu. They beat him down until Taz comes out to make the save. We then open, which I would imagine is meant to be a Dudley's versus Axel and Bulls match, with Bubba and Bulls brawling on the streets. Back in the ring, we see the Dudleys hitting the 3D for a win. At this point, New Jack comes out with his usual bag of toys, where he uses a guitar, a VCR, a sink, and my personal favourite, the Airfix aeroplane. And I tell you what, this is something I think I've missed. Because I know New Jack always liked a weapon, but this bar is like an oil barrel. It, it's like a weird sort of bin type plastic bin thing that is just filled with toys. Brilliant. If ever there was a gimmick for one man, him just dragging a barrel to the rig filled with fuck knows what. It's just tailor-made, man. I thought it was brilliant. So, to end the show, we get an RVD cutting promo saying that he can't stand ECW because they put Sabu versus Sandman. Sandman can't stand in the ring as he's a pisshead and probably sweats toxic. This promo was extra special as RVD is wearing a 1992... WCW staff show shirt from uh, the Dangerous Alliance versus Sting Squadron War Games match, and Fonzie is in a raw baseball cap. We then get a promo from Candidus, and he's going to choke out Taz, and that Taz won't sign the contract. He then turns around in the locker room to find a Taz towel and the contract signed in blood. We then hear from Taz saying that he signed Candido's death warrant in his own blood. Beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. And to find end of the month, we get New Jack. He's going to get you and you're going to get got. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've even had gonorrhea. The Dudleys jump him as the Eliminators watch on. Good then day to help out and jump the Dudleys as we go off air for the month. And I tell you what, Lacey, we never had much to look at for a TV point of view because it was just pretty much the half course that we were looking at. We never get the big show. With a lot of news, as your vocal cords will surely testify, but fuck me, I've missed this promotion. It was, there's so much that's changed. I mean, there are a lot of people that's going to disappear. There I say it'll probably not be the last time I'll say that in the next year or two. But um, everything just feels good, man. There's there's a lot of cool folk on that roster. There's some good ideas, some old stories getting told in a new way. It just everything just feels really, really good. The interviews are damn brilliant. The booking's really good. They have improved shit. For I've last seen it, whether it's the whether it's the product itself, the graphics are looking a wee bit smoother. The general look at the production. I tell you what, they're fucking cramming people into that arena. I know it's that. So every time they go there, we we keep hearing that they are. I mean, it's like a running joke. 
then, then new ratings and new record attendances. And I, I'm not sure how you put any more. Fuck those. I, I don't know whether they're going to have to take the roof off the place and put in a put in a second story. I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it just feels bigger every time I see it, and especially seeing it after a few months. They're just fucking cramming bodies into that place, and as we heard in the news about turning away crowds, they seem to be doing pretty decent on the road as well. The uh, the roster somehow feels bigger. I don't know. I don't know how because the the people that they're losing almost month and month. The roster feels as good as it ever has. They seem hungrier. I mean, I just, I just think I've missed some few months of action here, but it just feels as if it's really, really setting up for something pretty special. Mm. Next month, I don't know what it is, but it does. It's the thing. Obviously, we've we've said it a few times when people have have gone. Oh, we don't want them to lose Stevie. Stevie's great. How are they going to do now? They lost Ray, Ray, uh, Raven. You know. Could they afford to lose this guy? Can they afford to lose that guy? And somehow, yeah, they have now started to make people that they've already had and sat there for a while better. I know. You, know, you look at someone like New Jack. Obviously, we know that there was obviously issues with him, so they've had to put him on the back burner. But they're now bringing him back to the forefront again. Mm-hmm. The Dudleys. You know, if you think when we first saw them, with Bubba, whose whole thing was him stuttering and was the fat stutter, being an idiot. Fucking DW, you fucking snort and chubby, and just look at where they became. And the obviously, you had Devon being the militant black one who hated them all. Now look at them; they're they're probably the best heel tag team in the country. I don't think there's any probably about it. Fucking Joel Gertman, you're laughing all the way to the bank, Lace. You know, you've got the Eliminators who, unfortunately, due to Saturn being injured, are definitely the best tag team in in the States. You know. And I tell you what, especially when you see Perry out with the crutches as well. Cronus done a 450 last month. Like He's been doing it a few times. He's... Have I been missing this? Cause fuck, yeah. I shit myself when I seen that. The boy can't be a kick in the ass out of three on a pound. And he's then 470s like they're going to fashion. I thought it was mad when Scorpio done it. Never mind he... fucking Cronus. He makes what Scorpio was doing look ridiculous when you look the size of him. Mm. Cronus is, has been flying about doing all sorts of fucking mental shit. Um... He's been a massive revelation. Um, it's one of those who obviously you always look at sort of tag teams and think, oh, could, could anything happen if they weren't together or anything like that? You could, you could quite easily split these two up and have two amazing singles wrestlers. Oh. Not that I ever want them to do it, because I fucking love the Eliminators. But both of them have got enough about them that you could do a lot with them. Um, which is going to bring me into my first little sort of post-show topic. Go on, then. What do you think... Obviously, because we don't know what's happened with Mustafa, him just not being on TV other than mm. a little bit at the show, at the uh, Heatwave show. Do you reckon there could be a sort of coalition between the gangsters and the Eliminators? Uh, you know, just for a like while, while, you know, Saturn's out. 
have Cronus and New Jack teaming up? It looks like it. I mean, there's the there's the fractured alliances, whether it's Saturn, Brent Crutches, Mustafa being, being MIA. I mean, does it work really with the two of them being together? I don't really know. Um, I mean, me and Bobby spoke about this probably about a year ago, maybe even 18 months ago, when you kind of had these two teams where there's the guy that kind of runs their mouth and the two teams, and then there's other guy standing behind them that you probably even more afraid because he doesn't even need to talk mm. and it gives you the fear um, whether it's something that could last him a couple of months just to buy him some time whether it's even something that you could look at maybe just pushing the ones that's fit for a couple of months is the, mm. they certainly seem to push New Jack again as you said they seem to pin a bit of the spotlight back on him Cronus I say blew me away because obviously I'm just it. thinking with obviously issues with the Pitbulls legally mm. They're a little bit low on tag teams that you could really put in with the Dudleys and have believable matches with. Yep. I, I reckon, you know, strange bedfellow tag team of New Jack and Cronus, you know, between the two of them, I reckon you could have a decent, decent little run until yep. Saturn's back. Just a couple of months, see how it goes, if it works brilliant, if it doesn't work, fuck it, we'll try something else. If if any company can get away with it, it's probably going to be this one, because look at the, look at the shit they turned into, into gold, just with the, the kind of tools that they're left with. I mean, they're not exactly in a blessed contractual position with getting all these guys and they know who they're going to be there in six months and they just seem to do this and if anybody can pull it off, then it's probably this mob. Mm. So, also this month, obviously not so much because you you haven't really sort of been there and seeing it all, but you've seen the tail end and the big put change. Rude turning from yep. jovial, sexist <laughs> commentator who... Friendly pervert uncle. <laughs> yeah, to cunt. Yes. And one fell swoop, no less. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. What's that? What's that Uncle Ricky like? He's always in this. And then that Uncle Ricky just takes that one shot of bourbon too much and shit turns sour. <laughs> um, aye. I mean, it's it's good just to have Rick Rude on a telly for me. I just like seeing him. But when you get a bit of fire in his belly, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, there's certainly been moments that I've probably even noticed this month more with no seeing it than anything else. It kind of mm. sounded a bit like me sometimes through the month when he was almost kidding on that he'd seen shit and he clearly hadn't. He's just getting fed lines. It just felt a wee bit, I'm glad to see you, Rick, but there's more rudeness in you, if you'll pardon the pun, than, than I'm getting. Mm. And I think this is definitely a way of getting it out of him. Um, as I say, there was some... Um, you could just see that he just wanted more and mm. he just he, he, he kind of knew what to say his heart just wasn't in it I think fuck a crowd especially what we've seen it that week after the big show with the live event you fuck a crowd like that in front of a man like that it's just going to bring him back as if it's fucking 1987 again and I think he's just going to go with leaps and bounds on this and I'm I'm just glad to see him anywhere Fuck him on a telly, I don't care what it is. You could put him on you could put him on where he just filming in the afternoon. I'd just be happy to see him on T V. The <laughs> fact that it's an ECW and he can run his mouth or the bear. 
just to say, um, obviously you've seen bits of this year's ECW. Obviously, he, you saw him at the, at the inaugural pay per view. I did indeed. Um, we were sort of, we were very sort of lukewarm to it when it sort of thingied of. It was a good start. How he turned up, obviously we knew it was him because of the mask, and that was a little bit ruined. Then we had the bike helmet at the pay per view, the sneak on on Douglas. He's been fun since then on commentary and, you know, being rude. Mm. But as you're right, he seems to not have that fire in his belly. You're not sort of the purpose as such. Whereas this seems to have lit a fire under his ass, and I, think uh, so. I definitely think so. I think the, the vibe that I've been getting after Rick Rude for the, the little that I have seen him, but certainly still seeing some of him this year, it's almost like a John Madden when he gives up playing football, but then he's just on a mega drive game, and it's kind of like you know he doesn't want to be there, you know he wants to be out in the park and running about with the boys. Mm. Rude's just been pretty similar. He's He's obviously been dealt a bit of a short hand, some of it kind of self-inflicted with the way that his career's went. But I think if you can just give him something that he can get his teeth into, whether that's Francine or not, <laughs> he's, uh, he's going to run with it. And I, I think it's just nice to see him still getting the respectful reaction that he should be as well, because it's so easy to see Rick Rudd in the middle of a wrestling ring and just cheer him, because it's fucking Rick Rudd. Know what I mean, you yeah. can't cheer him. But just seeing the way that the crowds are reacting to him, I just hope that his booking gets the same kind of reaction because if you give him enough, if you give him enough steak to have a dinner, I reckon he could probably still bite in there as good as any. But because he's still at the end of the day, he's Rick fucking rude. And so that's the one thing that I will give the ECW fans more than others is ninety-nine percent of the time they know what they're meant to do. Yeah, they they know to cheer the face and boo the heels and when they get their teeth into something by god do they fucking do it so last little bit for the month obviously you weren't there last month when we had our big discussion on the invasion angle as to say Mm. what's your thoughts on obviously the Lawler Cornette WWF coming into WCW or GCW even um, how that sort of played out obviously this month obviously seeing what you've seen but obviously you've also seen the highlights of stuff that has happened beforehand it just works man it's I mean we said it earlier on it's like shit for 1987 still works shit for 1977 worked in 87 I mean these things just if it's a good idea and it's done with enough conviction with the right people, it's going to fucking work. I mean, I know the invasions are maybe getting a wee bit past these days when we see the NWO running them up for the last 12, 13 months. Mm. But when it's done right, it works. And I mean, who who's going to turn on ECW? If you're watching ECW and you love ECW and fuck WCW and fuck WWF, if you live for this company, the last person you were expecting to see maybe a couple of months ago would have been Jerry Lawler. Fuck me, he turned up. Right, that's it. This is, this is getting ridiculous now. Who else can... Fucking Jim Cornette. James E. Cornette. <laughs> with a loaded racket. And it fucking worked. It worked, Placey. 
as you say, it's it's it is like who we were saying last uh, last month. Um, who from WF could they also bring down? So, so you can't have a match with hmm. sort of Lawler and Cornette. Who could you have in and there? And we were like, we were throwing names around like Justin Hawk, Bradshaw, um, Sid, you know, not sort of main, main roster guys, but all the ones we sort of brought up were all that old school southern-ish heel hmm. that's completely the opposite to everything that's going on in, in ECW. And, as as we've said multiple times in this show this month, old school shit, especially southern style old school shit, still works. Of course it does. Look at PG thirteen this month. Exactly, they blew me away. Just, it, I know it's, it's nothing that you're going to run to the bank with, but when you see just how how ECW seems to market people, as they just seem to bring out. The I mean, how many times do we talk? I mean, we've fucking spoke about this for like the last three years that we've been doing this company. And it's just bringing out the positives and hiding the weaknesses. And they do it. Whether it's kind of, whether it's seeing PG-13 on, on Raw with puffer jackets and just doing a bit of kind of mediocre white boy rapping to Ron Simmons, you bring them down here, they just feel pretty special. Jimmy Carnett, I mean, I, I've never had my... My kind of fandom of the man, I think, ever since I've seen him, I think he might even have still have been fucking early 20s, when I was still seeing some of that boy stuff. Well, the thing yeah. is, obviously, I've seen it for, in the LWCW, and sort of seen him with the Midnight Express. Exactly. That sort of thing, and he was the smarmy little shitbag yeah. in 88, 89, 90, that you and- wanted to hate. Exactly, and did I say age hasn't refined that? It's not as if you've seen him then for ah oh, boo that, but he'll still get booed anywhere he goes because he's Jim Carnet. He's a prick, and he plays it to perfection. Yeah, and I mean, did I say in twenty years' time we'll still be booing him because he's a prick, and that's not going to go away. His mother is still going to be lovely, and he is still going to be the mama's boy that nobody likes. Yes, but it works, and I mean. I don't know, man. That's that's company just seems to. I mean, you could fucking throw anybody in here. I mean, look at look at the the, the just terrible things that Leaf Cassidy and Avatar and whatever's been going through. You fuck out, no one a ring with Chris Benoit. It fucking blew me away, and I'm still talking about it two years later. They just seem to do things with people that it just makes sense. But it just it's refreshing to see somebody do something with something mm-hmm. that makes sense and have it work. Well, say if you look at you look at one of the more latest ones of it going the opposite way. Look at Too Cold. Yeah. Now that he's Flash Funk, mm-hmm. he's is he even on winning matches? Isn't he just like basically a glorified jobber? Pretty much. He he's isn't a fucking lovely set of boots these days. But apart from that, and the cup with kind of. Chocolate candies on his arms. He's not really. He's not really setting the world on fire. Whereas we were getting match of the year contenders with him and Benoit and him and Malenko and him uh-huh. and Jericho. And I mean, just to it, take it full circle as well, Lacey. Look back two years ago. Who was in WCW? Stunning Steve, Flying Brian, Cactus Jack. Would they be in the WWF these days if it wasn't for Philly? I don't think so. I. 
They do, I do things don't see people. it. They do things with people and it just fucking works. And, um... Long may continue. Exactly. I mean, they're never going to be tying down million-dollar talent, but they don't need to. They're the... They're the company that takes the coal into the diamonds. It's just a pity that they can never sell the diamonds. People just steal them from them. But, um, well, but then I suppose if they could start putting people on contracts, then, you know, they'd have to be buying out of contracts. The contract situation, there's, there's always just a, a bit of a tightrope without a net feel to the place. Whether they could do it, I don't mm. know. But, I mean, it's the thing is, though, you've got to have the, the money... Exactly. There to do the contracts for you to then get the benefit of when someone wants to steal Pretty people much. with the contracts. And dare I say, there's a lot of kind of contracts that's tied up with money that maybe any any number of reasons why a certain Mister Dangerously may be kind of reluctant to answer his phone sometimes. Mm. But um, fuck the long term, though. We don't need the long term. It's ECW. We're living for the short term. We're living for the moment. And for what I've seen, the place seems to be in pretty good. Pretty good hands for me, I think, Lacey. And another pay-per-view next month. Second, two for two, I reckon. I think we're looking pretty good. They know with the mistakes that they made in the last one, the production will be watertight. Hopefully the roster's looking pretty hungry. Dare I say I'm pretty excited, as I imagine you are as well. But um, that'll pretty much draw us to an end for this month. Um, so July 1997, that's that in the books. As me and Lacey have said, we'll be back next month for, for pay-per-view numero two. And um, I'm pretty excited, in case you can't tell. I'm glad to be back. It's nice to see the place hasn't burnt to the ground as much as they maybe try sometimes. But, uh, Lacey, it's been a wee bit of a ramshackle show. We've had, uh, we've had more fallen outs than Evander Holyfield's ear this month. <laughs> but um, we still managed to pull it together. Best of luck to Bobby Bamber on his editing. But I think it was a pleasure as always, Lacey. And it's now time to um, sell yourself to the public. So... You can hear my musical musings on Show and Tell with Tunes. Um, we are up to 44 episodes, Fuck 45 depending. Um, show never existed the last time I spoke to you, you're known fucking 44. Well, you know, it's a nice easy one to do. I pick 10 songs, I chuck them on, I do a little bit of gassing and then release it to the wild. Um, I've had a couple of really cool guest hosts on uh, last year. I've had uh, Tyler... Well, if someone answered their messages and didn't have them on there... That's true, I'm too big a fucking... Celebrity. Sometimes I I reach a loving hand into the little man, but it's not often, (laughs) So, yeah, I've had um, a podcaster from Australia, a podcaster from America, a... Local small record uh, label exec and my best mate who talks about folk metal. Um, basically, Austin, that's just how I have never done invite because you're fucking big leaguing me with fucking <laughs> Australasian record producers. <laughs> Who's the fucking big time Charlie now, boy? Well, you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you can find that on. And then, obviously, with that, we also have Super Brawls. Fuck me, where are you up the, to that now? We are... Our next show is a very, very poignant Clash of the Champions, 
where a certain stormtrooper falls on his fucking ass. Oh, Christ. We are, our next episode is that there episode of Clash of the Champions with the debuting Shockmaster. We are in the midst of 1993, the mini-movies, midgets. Vader at the beach. Vader at the beach. Sid's terrible acting. (laughs) Um, I think we get Harlem Heat, or as as they are at this beginning part, Colonel Parker's slaves. Mm. It's an interesting time, if nothing else. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's all fun. You can find that on iTunes. Search Super Rules, and obviously Show and Tell Tunes. Search Show and Tell Tunes, and fill your ears with my musings, whether it be wrestling, music, else I can think about. Or oh, the real feather in the cap, the old uh, slap dash ECW Volume Three. Lacey. But um, as we said, this is Volume Three for 1997. Do check out Christopher Lacey because that boy does put in a shift, whether he's talking music or reliving the classic moments, say Uncle Fred on Flair for the Gold. Do check him out. As we said at the start, the rest on Twitter years ago podcast is on Patreon these days. If you do want to sling us a couple of bucks, I see fuck all of it, but we'll go to line the pockets of Bobby Bamba before he goes uh-huh. to Mexico and me and Lacey's left running the show. But, um, I was going to say, I've, I've not seen any of the uh, nah, paychecks. Nah, mate. He, he's, he's just banking it all. He's going to Switzerland and just putting it into a Geneva account. But best of luck to him. He, he deserves it working with us every month. But, um, but he, has to edit, he has to edit our music. Exactly. I mean, best of luck to him. You're, you're going to see fuck all with us, Patreon, this month. This will be lucky if it's out for the 1st of August. Never mind any earlier. But um, there is some obviously lovely stuff on WCW and WWF to get your teeth run. But um, as I say, for July 1997, he was Chris Lacey. Do download his shows. I've been Del Muir. And until the next time, goodbye.